Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I'm your host, Yuaki Maxon. Back in Seattle. Back from the road. Maybe we should just go to the water. Today we're doing berry. We're going to start with the, the ones I have the lowest expectation for. Yerbe. It's just, I look at this and the can is like a dark purple. It's just, it's just so over-designed that I know that it's probably over-flavored. Now, they sent me this for free, so I should be grateful and everything, and it sounds like I'm saying something bad about it, but I'm just being honest. Clean ingredients, sustainable energy, bold flavors. Bold flavors. Here at the pod, we're not going for bold. We're going for humble. I would like a can of sparkling water that says humble flavors. That's really what LaCroix should put on there, you know? Humility in a can. Let's try this. Yerbe. Yeah, it smells strongly of pomegranate. Now, I've always liked pomegranate. We cycle through these superfoods pretty quickly these days, but a couple of years ago, it definitely had a six-month thing where people were obsessed with pomegranate and thought that pomegranate was going to fix your life for you. And I don't know that I believe in pomegranate being good for you. I mean, I, I think it's one of those eat-your-fruits-juice-your-vegetables things where... I don't even know that you should be juicing pomegranate. It's probably too much sugar. But but as a flavor, it does have a very strong tart, good f- flavor. For a while back at Blue Star, we did pomegranate mimosas. It's a delicious beverage, you know. Now, I'm not a drinking man anymore, but, you know, you crack open a bottle of kava and you pour a little bit of pomegranate juice in there. And I mean a little bit. I mean that you do four parts kava and one part pomegranate juice and that's a delicious purple fizzy alcoholic beverage and by the grace of god i will never try that again in my life you know but you know all i'm really telling myself is that i'm not going to drink that today okay let's try this yerbe that is cold and that is bubbly sharp bubbles it's kind of hot in here and that is delicious but just because it's sparkling water it's actually waterier than I expected. Let me try some more. It's actually kind of better than I expected, but I don't know. For some reason, the way the yerba mate plays in here, it tastes a little bit dirty. Because a bitter tea flavor can be a delicious dirty flavor, but here it's not. Yeah, it's weird. It checks a lot of boxes. It's kind of watery. It's very strong bubbles. But for some reason, it's just not that good. I, I mean, I just don't really want to take another sip. It's kind of like a 4 out of 10. It's got a sort of metallic flavor. I mean, it's not terrible. I'm going to drink it because I feel kind of tired and there's 100 milligrams of caffeine in here. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for that caffeine, but I'm kind of forcing it down. Let's go to the next one. Trader Joe's. This is Mixed Berry. Is there any way to find out which berries we're talking about here? There's a lot of berries in the world, you know what I mean? The label has silhouettes of something that looks like raspberries and blueberries. So I guess it's those like the heavy mainstream kind of berries. Try all of our flavors. Quench your, quench your thirst and enjoy. Wow, great copywriting, Trader Joe. Oh, fuck. Let's try it. Now this is hydration here because I'm going to drink this whole bottle and it's it's a full liter. 
No, it's a it's a 1.25 liters. Oh, this is like two liters of liquid in this episode. First smelling it. Ooh, almost no smell. And you know what the hint of smell is? Blueberry. And I love blueberry, but blueberry as an artificial flavor, flavoring agent, I don't know that it ever really works that well. I just really love actual blueberries. Very good first impression. It's mixed berry is definitely it because it's they've really just taken chemical that's like sort of the vague berry flavor. I can't even, it's not so much that it's blueberry and raspberry, a bunch of berries together. It's just like one gentle, fairly pleasant quotation mark berry and quotation mark flavor. It's a li- like, I'm not giving this a 10 or nothing. This is like a seven, I think, because it's a little bit too perfumey and it's clearly very artificial, but it does have a nice balance where it's very fizzy. It's a very gentle flavor. It's a good flavor. This is refreshing. This is like a strong seven and a half. There's something, sometimes we talk about how if what you get in the beverage doesn't mesh very well with what it says on the label, that's kind of a problem. We talked about that a lot on the um, turmeric episode because they all said turmeric right real big on the label, but then you taste it and it's like there's maybe no turmeric or maybe just a hint of it. And that dissonance is just in itself a problem. And here they do get extra point for just like completely harmonious conception. It's got this purple label and it says mixed berry. And then when you taste it, it's this gentle purple flavor. That's exactly what you should expect. This is that background music flavor. Like it's, um, it's like if Anderson Pock was a sparkling water. Ooh, it does have some salt in it too. Huh. Okay, okay. Now that you mention it. Now that you mention it, Mr. Label, I do taste some salt in there. That's actually kind of nice. Salt sometimes it just really it's it just opens things up a little bit more. It just makes you actually taste what you're tasting a little bit more without actually tasting salt. Okay. Third one. The big one. Shisandra berry. So this is some sort of um super food, super health food that, you know, there's always a couple kind of like milling around on the periphery of the culture and then you don't really know if they're going to blow up or anything. But I would say that this one hasn't blown up yet, but it's one of these that has potential to blow up. So, you know, maybe next year you see this in everything. Like, who knows? Maybe five years from now you see this in everything. I don't know. Shisandra Berry. I'm going to read the, the copy on the side of the can because I always really enjoy these sparkling botanicals, what it says on the can. Tart and quenching with a lovely rosé color, Shisandra Berry is an adaptogenic elixir crafted from a single ingredient, forest-grown Shisandra Berry. Known as the five-flavor berry, Shisandra grows like a grape on a vine and has a unique balance of sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and pungent tastes. Whoa. For centuries in East Asia, it has been used as a mood booster, beauty tonic, and aphrodisiac that bolsters immunity and vigor. Damn. All the other Rishi sparkling botanicals, they all have everything in them. Like, there's just so much stuff going on. Wow, but this one isn't. It's just carbonated water, organic shisandra berries. Wow. So there's no black lemon. There's no... 
There's no ginger. There's no bitterness. There's nothing else. It's just you're doing the whole thing from this berry. So it is true that in Chinese, I looked it up on Wikipedia. I looked up Shisander berry on Wikipedia. And it's true that supposedly in Chinese, it's called Weizl, uh, which is like just five flavor berry. I am even more excited now that I know that this is a single ingredient thing. So you're really telling me that this is just one berry and when I open it, it's gonna taste sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and pungent. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter. Salty? Have you ever have you ever had a berry that was just naturally salty? Very excited. Let's try. Okay. So on the nose, it's peppery. You know? Pepper. Black pepper. And maybe some things that sort of just make me anticipate sweetness, that it's gonna taste like sweet, sweet something. Man, I wanna tear this pour this in a wine glass to really open up the nose. Yeah, beautiful rosé color. Oh, fuck. This is pretty cool, actually. Okay, let's try this. Let's, let's swirl it around. Wow, what a smell. Very pepper-forward. Yeah, like a bitterness, pungent, sort of like strong, really earthy. It, you know what it smells like? It's funny that it's called the five flavor barrier or whatever and that it's supposed to have all these different things. It smells a little bit like if you open a spice cabinet where people have like 30 different kinds of spices, you know, different curries and just weird things like that. And then like they're just mix of all spices that can just hit you when you open a cabinet like that. That's kind of what it smells like. You know, fennel seeds, whatever... It just back in the corner, there's just a mix of all those powders. Like if you were to wipe out a cabinet like that, like someone's spice rack, if you wipe down someone's spice rack, get all that stuff airborne and it just hits you for a sec, the smell of all of it at the same time, that's kind of what I'm smelling. Earthy, very earthy. Wow, I could smell this all day. It's and now that the the color is actually way deeper of a color than than rose. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, it's bitter. I guess it's salty. You could call that salty. It's interesting that it's not at all. It doesn't at all have the same ingredient list as the other sparkling botanicals, but it does have some similarity in palate, which is the same like earthy dank chlorophyll root it makes me feel like it's roots like different roots like ginger peel turmeric peel honestly if i was blind tasting this and someone told me this was turmeric i would be like okay yeah i believe that because it's that got that kind of bitter turmeric peel kind of thing going on but it's all very fascinating that this is supposedly just one berry like, what a scam if this is not one berry. Like, what a scam if this is just, you know, you've taken some ginger peels and mixed that with apple juice and just thrown in a bunch of dandelion, just a bunch of leaves, just a bunch of branches, and you mush it around and then strain it. And really, it's just like a bunch of bark, tree bark and, you know, plant matter. That's because, I mean, it could be that. If this is just a berry, then that's very interesting. I was looking here and 
I found it. I mean, I googled it, and then so there's an article on WebMD. Shisandra is a is used as an adaptogen for increasing resistance to disease and stress, increasing energy, and increasing physical performance and endurance. Used to prevent early aging and increasing lifespan, normalizing blood sugar and blood pressure, stimulating the immune system. It's also used for treating liver disease, parenthesis, hepatitis. Like how how if something is called WebMD, isn't it supposed to be scientific? Like there's no scientific basis for any of that. I guess the way they phrase it is it's used as. Oh yeah, okay. If you think about the phrasing, it's like Shisandra is also used for preventing early aging and increasing lifespan. Like if you think about that, it's just lawyer speak where oh, so nothing is proven effectiveness oh they actually do have a section where it's like so what do we actually know oh yeah so okay so the science says that it's possibly effective for mental performance and possibly effective for treating hepatitis and then there's insufficient evidence for all the other stuff you know anyone in the world knows that if something tastes bitter and bad then it probably is good for you i mean this is by far though this is the most drinkable one of them the three sparkling with like I'm definitely finishing this whole thing and I don't know how do I score these I really struggle with scoring these because it's so they're so interesting and it's such a journey and I really enjoy the journey but I can't really see myself kicking back having one of these every day with that said I'm going to give this a nine because it's actually good now i'm realizing i'm i'm now i'm getting down to it and it's it's beautiful it's sparkling it's somehow now i'm getting to the sweetness or like my palate just got used to the bitterness that came in the beginning and now that my mouth has adjusted to the bitterness it's almost like there's i'm noticing how there's quite a bit of sugar in here it's only 10 calories per can so so much going on in here mmm like a sugary, peppery drink. How interesting is that? I'm going to finish the whole thing and see what, what, the, what, what happens with the journey of it. <sighs> now I'm getting smells that are more like green. Now, it's, um, now the sourness is coming through more than the bitterness. You know what? This is a perfect beverage for... Like if you get a pregnant, upper-middle-class fancy white lady who doesn't want to have alcohol sitting at the bar pour some of this in a wine glass for her it's perfect maybe it should even be in a flute it's just the ultimate white white lady drink okay i'm gonna finish this now sparkling botanicals by rishi shisandra berry two mouthfuls left and then at the end, it's just really refreshing where it's just kind of a balanced, held together. All the different flavors is one thing. I'm going to give that one a nine just because it's such a true journey and I actually enjoy it in the end. It's a nine. What else is going on? You know, this morning I had this little micro memory pop into my mind. It's so weird. Um, inexplicable why it popped into my mind. But the memory is this. When I was in like 8th grade, ninth grade, my class was maybe 25 kids. Real nice kids. I remember all of them and they were all, like sure there was a couple of cliques, 
and maybe there was just one group of like three, four, five guys that weren't really my friends, but they were kind of a group, and maybe I didn't have the best energy with them, but most of it, I was just friends with all of them, and it was this one clique of like five girls that I was real good friends with, and one of them, her name was Regina, but she was from El Salvador, and so it was a Spanish Regina, and sort of filtered through the Swedish language where we would pronounce it Regina because we didn't really have a hard G sound. She told us to call her Regina. Like, is that really that close to the Spanish? It just seems kind of like its own thing. But that's kind of how it is for everyone, I guess. Like how I make everyone call me Joachim now, and it's like, it's kind of a compromise, I guess. But that's neither here nor there. She had a boyfriend, right? She was into this guy for a long time, and he was like tall, and she thought he was handsome, but I thought he had the smallest head. I remember that part of that time in my life, I had no idea how to understand male handsomeness. And I was always surprised by the guys that the girls around me thought were handsome. I just did not. Not that I had some other opinion, but it's just like, what? That guy is handsome? And so there's this small-headed guy, pinhead guy, with this like big bulky frame. And sure, he was like buff, buff and real low body fat and kind of tall and like real defined muscle. So maybe it was like less about... Oh yeah, maybe it was less about his face. Maybe it was just because he had a buff body. I didn't really realize that at the time, but... Oh yeah, she did talk about... She always used this word, rytor, that he had rytor. And that means squares, which is basically what... It basically means that he had a six-pack. He just had these squares on his, on his torso, you know? The front side of his torso had some geometry to it. All the women like a little bit of geometry on the, on the torso, you know? Some rectangles... Some, some 90 degree angles, you know, some trapezoids. Yeah. So she she she's really infatuated with the, this guy for a long time. And I was like, okay, well, you're not going to get that guy, whatever. I was a real negative Nancy about it. And I didn't know him at all. I think he was older. I just had no contact surface between my friend groups that I was in and whatever he was. He was like an older sports guy. So... Um, there's a long period of her being infatuated with him at a distance. And then some sort of, there was a f- number, someone got someone's number. They started talking a little bit, started hanging out a little bit. He kissed her. They get together. They're a couple. She was infatuated with him for like a year. And this never happens. Then they just became a couple and were a couple for years. One of those like things developed positively kind of stories. The thing then was that, so I was real good friends with her. We spent a lot of time together. We had some really deep conversations. I remember that being a very, um, what's the word? Just formative period in my life of spending a lot of time in this group of four or five girls. And they were very open with me. And I just learned so much about girls. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but... One conversation that we got into once, me and Regina, was that I said that all guys look at porn. And this is like, I'm in eighth grade. 
you know? I'm in ninth grade. It's like everyone's got a slow dial-up internet connection, and I'm saying that everyone looks a little bit at porn, you know? All guys is what I mean to say. All guys look a little bit at, at porn. Now, you can unpack that statement. You can say that that only says something about me. You can say that only says something about whatever, whatever. But that's what I said. And so so she's like, no, not everyone looks at porn. Not everyone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. All guys look at porn. And then somehow she got it to be a conversation about her boyfriend. And she was like, no, 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 my boyfriend doesn't look at porn. And I go, no, 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 all guys look at porn. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 but... Oh, now I remember what his name was. His name was Mats. M-A-T... No, M-A-T-S. Mats. Is that how you spell Mats? It's a very common Swedish name, and for some reason I'm... I have lost so much of myself that I doubt myself in how to spell a normal Swedish name. But, yeah, M-A-T-S. Mats. So... She's like, Mats doesn't watch porn. And I'm like, bro, Mats totally watches porn. And here's the thing. <laughs> Anyone looking at this exchange can see that what I'm saying is an application of a general principle to a specific person that I don't know anything about. Like, I don't know this guy. I've only met him briefly a couple of times in contexts of him standing next to her and... I know that he is her boyfriend, you know, like that's all, I don't know, I don't have some insider information on this guy, that he watches porn, on the contrary, I'm approaching it from the other angle, where I'm like, no, 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 all guys watch porn, <laughs> and then we keep going at it, and she's like, no, no, Mats doesn't watch porn, and I'm, st I just stonewall her, and I'm like, no, no, he, he does, and then, a week later or something, here's what the micro-memory is. I remember he came to my house, my mom's house, and he's like knocking on the door, and he's there with one of his buddies. And my mom comes up to my room, and she's like, there's someone here to see you. You know, there's someone here. They're asking for you. So I go down there, and he immediately grabs me, pulls me out of the house, puts me in a headlock. And, you know, I'm a tall guy. Maybe I was a little bit scrawnier back then. Maybe I was slightly less tall, but he, I think he was slightly taller than me and uh, way more muscular. And he puts me in a headlock, and he's like wrestling me around, screaming at me. And he's like, did you tell Rahina that I watch porn? And it's like, what? It's just such a, what? I don't know anything about you. I've never even talked to you one-on-one -on -one like this before. I don't know, is it called one-on-one -on -one when you have a dirty henchman standing next to you? Because that's what he did. He had a he had he brought a henchman along. He brought some muscle with him. Not that he needed to not that the muscle needed to step in, but but that's what happened. So he's yelling at me and being like, Did you tell her that I watch porn? And 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 um, you know, I mean, I remember thinking about it a lot and thinking just how how it's an interesting um breakdown of some kind of communication because it's it's one person having a having a conversation in the general sphere and one person not. And how all of your words can then be viewed through both of those lenses. I don't know. I mean, you can have a breakdown to the point where someone comes to your house and puts you in a headlock. And it's like, okay. 
And I remember being like, no, I didn't tell her that. But it's like, I told her that. But it's also like, what did I really tell her, though? Because he was treating it as if, I, as if I was lying about some private information. Also, it, there's a different angle to it, too, that I haven't even thought about until this moment, which is like, what is this weird Swedish context where ninth grade guys... I mean, I guess... I guess it is embarrassing to admit that you watch porn or something, but it seemed like it seemed like it was more than just embarrassing. It seemed like it had a very, it's like a very um, sort of feminist-informed um, milieu. It's not just that you're embarrassed to be known as someone who watches porn. It's that you are politically doing something wrong like the vibe a little bit is that you're politically doing something wrong if if you watch porn and maybe you are you know maybe you are yeah i don't know i don't know that's something i was thinking about for some reason whenever my mind gets really tired or stressed out I just sort of see these images from from my school when I was four, when I was in fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade, like those, that sort of time, and not even images that are social in any way, so images that are almost just geometric, and almost geological, where I remember the different hills, and sort of embankments that we would play on and. The playground was flat like this, and then there was a triangle with trees on it here, and then there was like a little slope that went up here to this asphalted platform up here that led to the school. And it's just like these connected sort of surfaces with different angles, and that's it. Like, like there are no people. These are not populated images. There are no kids. It's just, I just, I don't even notice it, but images of those slopes and hills and flat areas and a cage, a chain link fence cage of a soccer field and those things, how they're all connected and the fence here and everything. Those sort of Im images not populated by any people just flash through my mind like several times a day, every day. And I'm like 33 years old and I haven't seen those places in 20 years or more. And it's like, why? Why are those images sort of bubbling up from my subconscious <clears throat> with no context like no emotion either it's not like i feel bad about anything from i mean maybe i feel bad about things from that era but these images are not connected to anything bad or good it's just an image and a space is maybe a better word than an image like why do those spaces bubble up from my deepest crevasse you know I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes these arbitrary things get connected to emotional things, and then the arbitrary thing lingers longer than the emotion. Anyone who's played, anyone who plays a lot of video games can probably relate to how sometimes when you get really stressed out in the game and when things aren't going well, there's like an error message that gets looped. I mean, this is less in modern games because they realized that that was kind of annoying. But like games from like the 90s and early 2000s that were a little bit less sophisticated, they would have these noises that would be looped. 
like just like um you know funds insufficient funds insufficient so funds insufficient and a computer voice would just say that over and over as you're losing for the last three minutes of a stressful game or something and then anyone who lived through that and experienced that can relate to how sometimes when you get stressed out in the same kind of way a sound like that would just kind of come on in your mind even though it's like you're in a very different situation and it's not the problem is not that funds are insufficient and maybe it's not even words it's just like a specific type of like stressful beeping that will just come back yeah I mean, always when you, if you played a lot of video games when you were like 12 and you play for six hours and then you go to bed, it's like, man, those sounds are still playing in your head. But I mean, that's just, that's just what it's like to be a human. And that applies to anything, you know, if you're on a boat all day and then you step off the boat, you still feel like you're on that boat. But um, I don't know. Is that the same? Maybe not. All right. We're just going to call it an episode. I'm just going to have it be a brief episode. You know, I had 100 milligrams of caffeine and and um, and now I'm going to try to go about my day. Thank you for listening to This Week in Sparkling Water. I don't say that enough, but I mean it. The numbers have gone up a little bit and I appreciate feeling that there's someone out there listening. Maybe I need that these days, you know? I want you to know that I appreciate you. I hope everything works out for you. That was our second berry episode featuring Trader Joe's Sparkling Mineral Water Mixed Berry, Sparkling Yerba Mate from Yerbay, Pomegranate Berry Flavor, and the Shisandra Berry from the Sparkling Botanicals line by Rishi. If you want to support the podcast, go to americandecline.org and click around a little bit, see what you find. And that brings us to our closing segment, Sparkling Water, Sparkling Mind. Here, David Phillips has sent us another tape, so uh, let's take a listen. Long ago, Bodhidharma was staying at a small temple called Shorinji, practicing the Zazen we call wall-gazing. At that time, there was a lofty-minded man. Jinko was his name, and he had lived a long time near the Yi and Lo rivers of Honan. He read widely and deeply. He paid no attention to gaining a livelihood but loved to roam among the lakes and mountains. He used to say, Alas, the teachings of Confucius and Lao Tzu are concerned only with propriety and conduct, and the Chuangzi and the Book of Changes fall far short of exhausting the marvelous principle. One day he said to himself, I have heard that Bodhidharma, the great teacher, is now living at Shorinji. The sage is not far away. I must go to that mysterious place. So he went to Shorinji, but since the master constantly sat erect and silent facing the wall, Jinko heard from him no words of instruction or encouragement. Then Jinko thought to himself, 
in their search for Tao, the men of olden times crushed their bones and took out the marrow, or cut their veins and drained their blood to appease the hunger of others. They spread their hair upon the muddy road for a Buddha to walk upon. They threw themselves from the top of a cliff to feed the starving tigers below. The men of olden times did this. Am I not also a man? On the ninth night of the twelfth month, there was a violent storm of wind and snow, and the cold pierced to the bone. Jinko sat, uh, stood motionless through it all. When dawn broke, the snow reached above his waist. Seeing this, the master was filled with pity. You have been standing in the snow for a long time, he said. What do you seek? With his voice choked with tears, Jinko replied, My only request is that the master, in his mercy, may deign to open the gate of sweet dew and save all sentient beings. The incomparable marvelous Tao of all the Buddhas, replied the master, is attained only by long diligence in a practice difficult to practice, and by long endurance of that which it is difficult to endure. Why should you, with your shallow mind and arrogant heart, beg me for the true vehicle and suffer such hardships in vain? Upon hearing these words, Jinko drew his sword from under his robe, cut off his left arm at the elbow, and placed it before the master. At this, the master knew Jinko to be a vehicle of the Dharma. He said, All the Buddhas, when they seek Tao, forget their bodies for the sake of Dharma. You have cut off your arm. Now you also are capable of seeking. May I hear from you about the Dharma seal of all the Buddhas? Jinko asked. The Dharma seal of all the Buddhas is not obtained from another the master said. Your disciple's mind is as yet without repose, said Jinko. I beg, master, let me have repose of mind. Bring me your mind, and I will repose it for you, the master replied. Though I seek for my mind, I cannot get it, said Jinko. I have reposed your mind for you, said the master. At these words, Jinko attained Satori. In such ways as this, our patriarchs strove at the risk of their lives to attain Kensho, to attain insight into their own real nature. If it was for the sake of Dharma, they did not hesitate to sacrifice their bodies or lay down their lives. Following their example, we also sit and practice meditation. Of course, we do not go to the extreme of cutting off our arms. If we were to imitate Jinko, however many arms we might have, they would not suffice. Nevertheless, we do such things as practicing Zazen stark naked in midwinter. Nanshinken, the late Roshi of Nanzenji Sodo, in his day, had the reputation of being the most severe 
of all Soto Roshis in Japan. Whenever he found any of us negligent in our practice, he would wield his nyoi ruthlessly, and every oseshin, many of us would bear the resultant bumps on our head. I am still deeply grateful for Nanshinken's nyoi. I am told that a pearl is produced only through the pearl oysters enduring the pain of having a grain of sand bore into its flesh, fighting against it and protecting itself against it. We also, by fighting all kinds of difficulties and overcoming them, strive to develop the jewel of spiritual cultivation.